Okay, today's guest is one of the most loved presenters in the Australian football landscape. His love of the sport, passion for broadcasting, and incredible knowledge of football has seen him commentate, host, and report for Fox Sports over the past 10 years, as well as cover World Cups, countless prestigious tournaments, and even the Olympic Games. Most people call him Michael Zaboni. I like to call him Michael the Stallion because his Ferrari-like drive to excite and entertain the Italo-Australian community through his love of culture is truly appreciated by all. It's my great privilege and pleasure to introduce Zappers to the Continental Breakfast. How are you, mate? Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. That's the best intro anyone's ever put together for me. <laughs> so uh, thanks so much. No, you deserve it, Zappers. There's a lot of football going on, mate. Not just the Euros. Obviously, the Socceroos are playing too. Copa America. You never miss, miss a minute. How's the last couple of weeks been for the body clock? Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I uh, you have to pick your battles. I think... Um, Optus Sports doing a great job and uh, you can catch up with mini matches and uh, highlights in the morning. So you can't stay up and watch uh, every single game, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I've chosen to, to watch the Italy games, obviously with my Italian heritage and uh, they've been super impressive. And what I love is that a lot of people are surprised by uh, Italy, but those who've been following the Italian national team since Mancini took over um, realise that, you know, th- this is something special and it's been coming for some time. And uh, it's interesting talking to the casual observer and reminding them that, you know, in 2018, Italy weren't at the World Cup. And and I still, <laughs> I'm still surprised when, when you say those words out aloud. It was such a shock for the football world to not have Italy there in 2018. But what it did mean was a massive rebuild and, mm a change in coach and a change in structure and a change in personnel. And uh, we're now seeing the fruits of that labour and Mancini's done a fantastic job. And the way he changed his team against Wales was brilliant. Um, Obviously rotating, uh, freshening up um, some, some of his players that had played in the previous two games and, and the team that uh, came in against Wales did the job as well. And uh, some great stories in there that, uh, that, uh, you know, we saw the goal scorer, Vecina, scoring, and uh, he wasn't even in the squad, of mm. course, uh, when it was first announced. So, you know, he hasn't been scared to name players from uh, teams like Sassuolo and some of the smaller clubs in Italy, uh, and, and it's been to the Italian national team's uh, benefit. Mm-hmm. Zappas, I'll ask you specifically about the Euro just a bit later. I want to ask about yourself first. I know you don't like talking about yourself much, which is why you went into that stuff about the Euros, but it's yeah. great to speak to you, Zappas, sober. Um, I can't really remember what I said to you last uh-huh. time at the wedding when you emceed Dario and Sarah's wedding, and he did ask me to, me- uh, to mention that because uh, he loves a shout-out, Dario. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling we had a good chat, though. Um, you're doing emceeing, you're hosting president lunches, you're taking your son to football training, you're commentating, you're running your own business. What, what does an average week look like for you? Yeah, it's busy. I don't I don't have many uh, spare hours in the day. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when I'm at football training with my sons, I uh, tend to get the laptop out and uh, watch from the car <laughs> these days and, and squeeze in some work. But, um, yeah, Monday to Friday I run a, a, a PR company, um, which, which I set up three years ago. And my um, background was in media and public relations. And I, I, I sort of manage that part of my life um, all the way through as at the same time uh, managing a football and media career. So really the, the work I've done in the media has, has really been um, something I've always added to my work commitments. So Monday to Friday, I had a Monday to Friday job. And then in addition to that, 
midweek evenings and weekends, I, I was doing my um, radio and Fox Sports work, and uh, and so yeah, it's it's quite hectic. So um, there's there's no real set uh, nine to five or, or Monday to Friday for me. It's really seven days a week, and and um, at this time of the year when the Euros are on and other big events are on, it's um. It's non-stop. It's it's long hours, but you enjoy it. So, um, it, it's not a really great answer to your question, but uh, there's no real rhythm. It's uh, that's right. Yeah, you do you do what you what you need to do to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Is that because you, you grew up in Faulkner, the uh, the northern suburbs of Melbourne? You played for Faulkner as well. I think they were called the Azzurri. You wore the yeah. blue kids. Uh, I think your nonno and your dad would take you to training um, and games. Is that where your love of football came from? Absolutely. Yeah, dad. Um, Dad's, uh, I love my dad, but he, he's not really sporty. So it was my, my grandfather that okay, yeah. was the one that uh, would um, take me to the games and uh, my dad would take me to training. My grandfather would go and watch uh, Faulkner play on a Sunday and, mm-hmm. and that was his outing with his mates. You know, he'd walk to the ground. We could walk together. Uh, I was, you know, probably six, seven, eight, nine years old at the time and go on with him and uh, and with my mates at the ground, and then he 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 hang out with his mates at the ground, mm. and uh, and that was sort of how I started to um, fall in love with the game, and then obviously started playing. And I think under eights was, was the first time I played at Faulkner, and you know back then you, you're playing on a full size pitch. You know there was yeah. no, none of this small side football. So you can imagine seven year olds running running around on a on a full size pitch. It was it was mayhem, but. Uh, yeah, played for Faulkner and um, absolutely loved uh, my involvement in sport. And um, I, I was never going to be good enough to, to play professionally, but, um, you know, Faulkner was a good community, great club. I lived in the area. Um, and then I continued sort of playing um, when I went to school. And then I played, at, uh, started up a soccer club myself at St. Kevin's. I went to school at St. Kevin's in the latter years and uh, set, set up a St. Kevin's Old Boys Soccer Club. And and uh, that was in 1999. So they're still going today, which is great. And uh, they play in State League Division 5. But um, it's a great social club. And and I hope that one day my uh, my boys can play there as well. So, yeah, my, my love of the game, I suppose, uh, goes beyond broadcasting and, and uh, working in the media it's uh it's at every level so um yeah i, I tend to get down and watch uh, st kevin's play uh, a couple of times a year and it's, it's great to go down there and watch some some football as well is there there's a pony award there at, at st kevin's is it named after you it was one well, it was actually uh, a really nice uh honor um which was um introduced just this year so uh yeah, so because I set up the Old Boys Soccer Club, um, they um, surprised me with that earlier this year and uh, they have a, a, an annual game with um, the first 11 team from the school. So the first 11 team were made up of, you know, your 9, your 10, 11, your 12 boys play against the Old Boys Soccer Club um, as part of their pre-season preparation. Um, and it probably doesn't surprise you that the Old Boys uh, lose against the first 11 boys at the school, even though these kids are still 15, 16 yeah. years of age. They're, they're all very good uh, yeah. at those schools. Um, a lot of those boys play for Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory, uh, and, and they're all part of those academy setups. So, yeah, the first Zapponi medal was uh, was handed out uh, earlier this year for the best on ground in that game. So, yep. yeah, a lovely, a lovely touch. I don't deserve it, but, um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the young man who, you who won that medal that day, his name is Seb Esposito and mm-hmm. uh, he's at Melbourne City. He's in yep. year 10. So, um, 
yeah, look out for him. I'm sure he'll um, come through the ranks and probably play A-League uh, one day very soon. Mm. Where did that uh, love of reporting and journalism come from then? It came from uh, when, when I was in at school, I, I, I wanted to become a journalist. So um, okay, yeah. certainly uh, one thing that I, I wanted to pursue and uh, I did my work experience at a radio station uh, called 3AK. Uh, 3AK was sort of like a, a talk station um, in Melbourne and they um, – yeah, it gave me the opportunity to go in there and as a year 10 student do work experience as, as kids do these days. And um, uh, it was I was lucky enough to then, you know, hang around and be offered opportunity to go on the weekends. And year, So in year 11 and year 12, I, I would go in there on the weekends and on a Sunday or a Saturday and, and just do some work and, and learn how to write news stories and read news stories and um, sort of got involved um, whilst I was still at school. And then I was lucky enough that they offered me a job when I finished year 12. So uh, they gave me a cadetship and I sort of worked for next to nothing for three years uh, as part of my sort of apprenticeship. Mm. But I learned that was great three years because I learned everything in, to, in the radio station, whether that was how to operate a panel, how to uh, transfer music from LPs to carts, <laughs> um, how to you know, DJ, how to splice, uh, edit interviews, mm. uh, all those sorts of things. Um, uh, I learned in those first three years and uh, it was how I fell in love with um, radio. And then as a result of that, uh, on that radio station, they had uh, started to cover sport and uh, the National Soccer League uh, in those days. So I was there in 93. So the NSL was, was still going and in its heyday and um, they had a, a show called Super Soccer Sunday, which was then hosted by a guy called Greg Blake, who's still involved in, in the game, Greg Blake in, in Victoria, and he commentates games for uh, Football Victoria. Yeah, Blakey uh, was the first sort of commentator I uh, worked alongside, and, um, and and I still catch up with him to this day. So that's where I fell in love with football broadcasting. We, we commentated NSL games and, um, and Victorian Premier League games as they were... Uh, at the time and uh, did that for a few years and, and absolutely loved it. You never, I, I love watching you when you, when you commentate or when you're interviewing players, but I think from a young age, you were, you met some heroes, didn't you? I think it was 1984. Um, Paolo Rossi actually came over with Juventus and trained at Faulkner. You would have been maybe 10 years old and you got to see uh, the star himself. Was that, was that the first kind of um, moment that you were uh, starstruck maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as a young kid, you know, watching the Serie A on, on TV or watching the Italian World Cups uh, once every four years and seeing these stars, yeah, absolutely, as a 10-year-old. Uh, and it's not like today because we, we, we don't follow them on Instagram. You know, 84, yeah. there, was, there was no Instagram, <laughs> there was no Facebook. So you, you, you sort of can't interact with players or see them every movement mm. um, back then. So it was a bit of an aura about them, more of an aura about them, I suppose. And the, my, my greatest recollection of that day was it was just mayhem, you know, um, people everywhere. Uh, the, the, the ground had never been so packed. The bus rolls in. People are trying to, you know, get an autograph. They're jumping on top of the players. The security's trying to keep them away. It was just bedlam. They're trying to get into the change room to, to get changed to train. And uh, you've never seen so many people at CB Smith Reserve. So you got a, you got a glance and a glimpse of, of what was happening. But, yeah, you, yeah it was, I think you described it correctly. You were awestruck at uh, watching those players so close up 
mm. uh, having not experienced that before. Mm. I wanted, obviously, the Euros are on now. I wanted to ask you of your your earliest memories of an international tournament. Um, was would have that been the '82 World Cup? Um, I think you were yeah. you would like you said with your grandfather was uh, uh, was a big fan. So were you over at his house watching the the World Cup in 1982? Absolutely. As a seven-year-old, I think, yes. So, yeah, I would have been uh, yeah, seven years of age and um, we would sleep at my grandfather's house. He lived around the corner from us and uh, gather around the, the one TV in the home and uh, and, and watch it. Um, I'm not sure if it was SBS or ABC TV at, at that time, but, um, you know, the, the vague... Vague recollection of everyone getting up and uh, in the middle of the night to, to watch that uh, watch that final was um, one of my very earliest memories of um, watching um, a big tournament and uh, obviously Italy winning that tournament was um, great celebration and uh, I think my grandfather's obviously uh, passed at the uh, passed on now but uh, one of the things he had in his house and I think most Italian you know, grandparents had in their house was that. Uh, photo of the the team, you know, when they line up before the game, and uh, the Italian newspaper Globo put out a special edition, and uh, it was a you know a framed version of that colour photo, um, and uh, it, it sat proudly in in every Italian's house, uh, and 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 even when we were cleaning out his house, that was uh, that was still up on the wall. So um, yeah, it was a very special, very special memory. You're a bit young then to celebrate, but how did you celebrate 2006? 2006, I was lucky enough to be in Germany for the um, yeah, for the yeah. World Cup. So I was I wasn't working as a journalist, but I was there with my mates and um, uh, I was doing some work for for SEM, the sports radio station, there just doing daily reports, but um, not not commentating games as such. So mm. um, yeah, it was brilliant. We went there following the Australian national team, so we had a choice. Obviously, when you allocate your tickets to follow your team and mm. and uh, being Born in Australia, I absolutely wanted to follow the Socceroos. So that was a great Socceroos team. And um, a lot of Italians uh, or Australians of Italian background had a dilemma, didn't they, in the yeah. round, of, round of 16 game was who you would follow. My mm-hmm. story was I went to the early part of the tournament and the packages that were being offered were, you know, follow Australia in the first part of the tournament and, and, and then you go home because no one expected <laughs> yeah. To go on beyond yeah. group stage, but we we went beyond beyond that and, and played Italy in the round of sixteen. So my trip in Germany finished uh, after the round of sixteen. So I actually then um, went to Italy to to meet up with my family in Italy, and my my, uh, my wife was was in Italy, and so I met up with her. But obviously, uh, when you're with your family in Italy, uh, it's a it's a very different scenario because you're you're there watching uh, the Italian national team. Mm-hmm. But I've got to say. Even up until an hour before the game, I still wasn't sure who I wanted to follow yep. in that Australia v Italy game. And I was sitting in Italy with all my Italian cousins, um, but I I felt like I, I, my heart was really with the Australian national team um, for that game. So yeah, I was very much behind the Socceroos in that game. Cheers for the Socceroos, and uh, disappointed obviously when they got knocked out. Uh, Having said that, once the game was over and all my cousins went out, uh, <laughs> I was in Rimini at the time. So when, once we, I don't know if you've ever been to Rimini, but it is a, yep. it is a party a party town. And so once that final whistle went and we digested the result, 
I did quickly swap my Socceroos jersey for my Italian jersey, and we went out and celebrated in Rimini that that win. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 the dilemma of of, of uh, most Australian Italians, I suppose. But yeah, um, yeah from that point on, uh, I, I was able to watch the tournament in in Italy, and then for, I think for the final, I came home and and watched it for, with my mates. Um, mm-hmm. With my mates in Australia, we're all gathered at one house and uh, and celebrated when 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 we won. I think we're probably a bit old to head down to Ligon Street, so we just <laughs> celebrated at home and uh, yeah. had, a, had a good night. Yeah, brilliant. Um, I asked Daniel Garb last week about covering an international tournament, and for him, it still sticks with you know one of the the career highlights, and it, it's hard for him even to explain the the atmosphere and what that feels like. You got to cover a World Cup or go over there and report. What was that feeling like for you? Yeah, brilliant. I was there at the last World Cup in Russia uh, with Optus Sport and um, I was lucky enough to be given the role of being on the ground um, in Russia following the Socceroos. So my my role was the Socceroos insider, if you like. So follow every step of the way, what the Socceroos were doing, get there, you know, a week before the tournament started and and go to every training session, try and find out what they were eating for breakfast, all that, all that level of detail. But yeah. Um, Really hectic schedule because you're sort of working in time time zones over there versus time zones here, mm. catering to this audience. But yeah, being in Kazan primarily, which is where the Socceroos were based, um, what a great city, what a great country Russia was. They put on a f- fantastic show. I suppose when it hits you is when you're standing pitch side just before a game, and you're and and you, and you see a full stadium at a World Cup. Uh, and, and you see, you know, us playing against France and, and all the stars of the French national team warming up literally in touching distance from you, um, it, it, it sort of hits you then. And uh, the national anthems and, and, you, and, then you, and you're there sitting pitch side uh, whilst all that's happening is is quite surreal. And I suppose the other insight that, that you get when you're there that you, you don't see when you're sitting at home watching it or even if you're at the tournament watching it in the grandstand is then the ability as a host broadcaster to be in the mix zone. So after a game, the players come through um, the, the, the change rooms and once they've had their showers, they then face the, the press. And, yes, my job was very much to get the Australian reaction to each game, mm-hmm. but then for every one of our opponents, um, then it was my job to try and find a player that we could talk to, that could speak English, uh, that we could get an interview with. So as an example, Paul Pogba um, was was one that I knew had a good grasp of the English language playing in England. And uh, we were the, you know, the the network that were able to get a one-on-one interview um, with with Paul Pogba after that game. Uh, Oliver Giroud is the other one who obviously played in, we interviewed, played in England. So they're the little experiences, I suppose, that, Make a big difference uh, um, when you're when you're covering a tournament. Having that access to those sorts of players in a big tournament is 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 just surreal. We were there when we we watched. I think it was France Argentina. That game was played in Kazan, mm-hmm. so I was lucky enough to to be pitch side for that game as well. You know, and what a, what a game that was. Seeing Lionel Messi and 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 uh, Di Maria scored a screamer. Uh, Mbappe scored a, a, a brilliant goal that that day as well. So, in that environment, being there amongst it, getting the reaction of the fans, the reaction of the players after games like that is uh, stuff you dream of. Um, and yes, we've seen Ronaldo here at the MCG, and we've seen Messi here at the MCG, but it's different because yep. they're here and they're really sort of exhibition games, and and it, it, they're on holiday almost. So it's um, 
yeah, great to see them here in the flesh, but um, seeing them at a World Cup when you know it means something to them is, uh, and being part of that and trying to bring that feeling back to the viewers back home is, uh, yeah, is a great experience. Mm. Who, who's been your favourite player to interview? I know you've interviewed some big ones, Peter Buffon. You mentioned Pogba, Diamante. You've got a good connection with him now based in Melbourne. Who's, who's been your favourite? Yeah, great question. Um, in Italy, I was lucky enough to, you know, when I was in Italy on, on a holiday, it was a long, long time ago, I'd, I'd sort of um, thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if I could get to interview one of the, um, you know, great players of, of, of the Italian national team and I follow Juventus. So I sort of um, made a beeline for Buffon one year and um, managed to, the timing worked out well. So I had a sit-down interview with him um, at the training centre in, in Turin which was brilliant. Uh, it was just sort of a childhood dream, if you yeah. like, but uh, that was for Fox. And uh, when Del Piero was signed for for the for, uh, for Sydney FC, um, that was a huge story for Australian football. Um, given my grasp on the Italian language and, and, and his lack of grasp of the English language, uh, my boss at Fox said, you know, I want you to sit down with him. Yeah. So the first thing he does is, you know, one-on-one interview with you. And I don't think Bozza was too happy because Bozza's, uh, you know, always after the big the big stories and the big yeah. interview. But um, I think my uh, Italian language got me over the line there and uh, sitting down with Del Piero one-on-one was um, was certainly a highlight as well. And, uh, yeah, Diamante's been been a, a, a really a, a breath of fresh air for, mm. for the game here. So they, they all... Um, they're all great. Um, Cannavaro, um, when he came here for um, Asian Champions League, Marcello Lippi, um, he was also here with the Asian Champions League. So um, they've all been, you know, really good fun moments. There's a recurring theme there, isn't there? They're all Italian. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He's a serious man, Marcello Lippi. How was that to speak to him? Very serious. Yeah, yeah. very serious. And there was no, you know, with Cannavaro, there was a bit of um, conversation before the yep. interview and it, it, laughing and mm-hmm. a bit of storytelling and it's a bit of general chit chat, but with Lippy, it was just, you know, you've got two minutes, you got three minutes. It, let's just get this done. Yeah. I'm moving on. So yeah. Um, you can understand that, you know, he's done it a million times before mm. it's part of his job and he has to tick the box. So um, I should have had Diamante there with me uh, <laughs> because uh, That's yeah, right. obviously played under him at uh, a grand jail. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, um, speaking of uh, Lippi, it's there's no more Catanaccio approach to the Italian squad anymore after Ventura, uh, like you said, after um, uh, he went and Mancini's taken over now. It's a different look uh, Italian side. They're playing attacking football. Uh, they've been scoring goals. They're not conceding either. Is, are the Italians your tip for the Euro or they've still got to do a little bit more? They always were for me. I think oh, good. they yeah. were always uh, a favourite given I've watched their qualification mm. path and uh, what are we now? Thirty games without uh, without a loss. Yeah. Um, Ten games without conceding, conceding yeah. a goal. So it's no surprise to me, as I said at the start, and probably no surprise to you that they're mm-hmm. doing so well. Um, so for me, yeah, very much so. They're uh, they're my favourites for mm-hmm. the tournament. I think with France, yes, there there is that ever present danger of France, and Pogba seems to grow. Um, another leg when he when he's in that national team shirt. He looks so good and it's probably the system that suits him better than it does at Manchester United. So mm. um, France are going to be tough to beat, but I think the Italian national team um, 
I just like the the feeling. You see when they score a goal, what what it means to mm. every single person on that bench, and um, they just seem so united. Um, and, and they're looking so strong all across the park to bring in an almost brand new 11 against Wales and still to get the job done and create plenty of chances and not concede a goal speaks volumes. And so the the, 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 the first 11 comes back in for their knockout game and, and they'll be fresh. And that's yeah. an advantage that their opponents won't have. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's the tip. Yeah, that's my tip too. If if it's not Italy, is it France then, or did has your mind uh, changed after that Hungary game when they were held toward the one-one draw? Yeah, look, I think uh, I didn't see all of that game. I, I watched the highlights of that game, but mm-hmm. uh, Hungary in Hungary in, 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 a, in a, a, a packed stadium, hundred percent capacity stadium, um, you know, would be wouldn't be easy yeah. uh, to, to go there and and get the three points. So. I just think, yeah, France has got the quality. They've got the experience in the big tournaments. So, so have Brazil. So have um, Germany. Um, Germany, we saw what they were capable of against uh, Portugal in mm. their last outing. So, uh, it's very hard to separate those three. But yeah, if sitting here today, I think it's it's an Italy France uh, final if if they don't run into each other mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. All right, Zappas. I want your golden boot prediction. Your player of the tournament and your golden glove. Gee, that's a question without notice, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> so, hey, you're good on your feet, mate. So whatever oh, comes to mind. I can't make this all about Italy, can I? But uh, Donald oh, can do it. hasn't conceded a goal yet. So that's if he fine. continues along this path, he really hasn't had a lot to do yet. So Yeah, that's true. Um, so, you know, but if he doesn't concede a goal uh throughout the tournament deep the tournament it's probably going to be hard to to go past him i don't have the list of uh, how many goal scorers there are out there at the moment but um ronaldo what? how many has he got he's got four i think he's got yeah four now i think yeah. well own goal is uh, leading the golden boot at the moment he's got a goal he's got a game to go hasn't he ronaldo he does have, he does have a game to go and they might not progress so um but you know, I wouldn't put past him scoring another a brace or a, or a hat trick in yeah. their last game. So uh, Lukaku's in form, and and you've seen what he's done for Inter as well. So yeah. that's yeah. another possibility. Yeah, but the question, I suppose, then is you know how far did Belgium go? And, and they're probably one I admitted uh, when I, when I was discussing you know who could make a final. I wouldn't be surprised if if Belgium you know go deep into the tournament as well. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I think uh, Lukaku has had such a good season and um, the fact that uh, France doesn't really have a player who's going to dominate the, the, the scoring sheet. They, they seem to share their goals around, don't they? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'll go with a bit of a left field one. I'll go Ronaldo because I reckon, uh, I reckon he's got a couple more goals left in him. Mm-hmm. That's right. And we'll, and we'll pick, uh, why don't we pick Insigne or Spinazzola for the player of the tournament? We'll say that'll be, <laughs> be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think Insignia has probably been he's been good, but he's just lacking that that finish. He's had a yeah. couple of chances, hasn't he? Where he has he hasn't quite finished them. So uh, let's hope he works his way into uh, into that form, and, and he can just you know he's probably been an eight out of ten, but just that last uh, bit that he needs to make it a ten out of ten is just some mm-hmm. of that finishing. Yeah, being that number ten of. Um... Italia as well. It comes with a lot of pressure. So if he can perform with that pressure, maybe he needs to grow into that and he can he can finish off maybe in a final for us would be nice. Yeah, and I think Jorginho has been fantastic yeah. for, for Italy too um, in the midfield. I, I, I really like what he gives to the team and uh, 
and obviously we saw um, you know what he was capable of in the in the first two. And uh, Locatelli, you know, he had an outstanding game. The question mm-hmm. will be, you know, does he keep his spot in the team? We saw Verratti play against uh, yeah. against Wales, um, but hard to leave Locatelli out after. That's right. Games. And he played 90 minutes as well, Verratti, so he might need that rest and and come off the bench. We'll see. Hey, Zappers, to end off, mate, I, I asked 10 quick questions to our guests. So the first thing that comes to your mind, you can, you'll answer, okay? Let's do there it. Go. Your favourite breakfast? <laughs> um, muesli. Muesli, healthy, very good. Favourite player of all time who isn't Italian? Ronaldo, only because I'm in Juventus. <laughs> good choice, so am I. That's a good choice. Uh, your favourite media football memory, so something you're involved in? Um, commentating. So I love commentating games. I think that's yeah. real fun. And uh, there was one goal in particular that uh, was earlier earlier on in my Fox Sports days was uh, Marco, Marcos Flores, who played for Adelaide United. Mm-hmm. And uh, he scored, you know, a contender for goal of the year. And it was just one of those moments that the, the Cooper Stadium was full <clears throat> I was calling the game with Paul Trimboli, who's a legend of the game, and and um, the moment just unfolded before our eyes, and we saw it coming. So we were sort of ahead of the game in terms of the movement of the play and, and, and anticipating what was going to happen. And he, and he scored a brilliant goal, and then the, the call was was good. Uh, Trimmers was great, and and Flores was brilliant. So that for me was probably one of my favourite memories in in terms of commentating a game um, on TV. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, how many coffees a day for you at the moment? Four. Four. That is not not bad number, that's all right. Yeah. Is, it, is it after dinner as well? Uh, not at home, no. but uh, if I'm out, though, last night I was at, at my brother-in-law's house and, and uh, uh, had dinner and, yeah, definitely um, uh, after, yeah, uh, after, after dinner, but mm. uh, not Monday to Friday. I tend yeah. to... Yeah, have a come on me laugh to do that. <laughs> That's good. Put you to sleep. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, as memorabilia, would you rather have uh, Insigne's boot or Wojciech Szczesny's glove? Insigne's boot. Mm. Yeah, I had a feeling. Well, Wojciech Szczesny, Juventus, I try to go that way. See, but the Italian, it has to come over. Because a lot of people say, look, the boot is is very common. If you get a goalkeeper's glove, that's uh, very significant. But yeah. no, fair enough. Uh, if you could be in any European city right now, where would it be? Rome. Your favourite beer? Is I live on the Mornington Peninsula, so I'm spoiled with choice here. Nah, there are, there are a lot of good local um, brews. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'll go the, the the Four Pines. The Four Pines uh, yeah. Pale Ale is very good. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, who's your least favourite person to interview? Oof. That's a tough one. Least favourite person to interview, Ange Postecoglou. Yeah, can I ask you why? I I get along really well with Ange, but mm. he's so hard to read. <laughs> yeah. You never know what he's going to give you, so you've got to be completely on your toes, mm. especially post game. Um, uh, even if he's even won a game, you just you just never know what you're going to mm. get. So you've really got to be prepared for anything with Ange. Um, so. Uh, I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, yeah, yeah. in a really good way, but you, you, you always have to be at your very best <laughs> when, you're, when you're interviewing. Yeah. What makes you angry? My team losing. <laughs> good. Well, Geelong's been all right in, the, in recent times, so you're pretty happy. Juventus has been, been good. 
competition. Oh, well, this season. And when Italy loses, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Okay, last one. You picked to play for Italy in the European final. Now, judging what people have said about you, it's, it's not too far off. Um, would you rather score the winning goal in extra time or save the winning penalty in a shootout? Well, I was a very poor goalkeeper in my time. So um, now I played. I played in goals for my adult adult part of my career when I yep. realised that uh, I couldn't play outfield and at, at a decent level. So for me, definitely saving the winning penalty, saving a penalty that wins the tournament, um, yep. having spent a lot of time with the gloves on, would be uh, the number one for me. Good answer. I'll do that too. Zappers, absolute pleasure, mate. I can't thank you enough for coming on and having a chat, mate. And uh, hopefully, we can catch up for another beer soon. I would love that. Thanks so much for uh, having me on. No worries, mate. Thank you. Speak soon.